that seems too far away. So this morning, I want to look at a passage that actually is really down to earth. It, it actually is talking about real flesh and blood, blood guys, which is not to say that Jesus wasn't flesh and blood. But it is to say that these were normal human beings, not born uh, the incarnate God uh, of the universe, right? Because that seems like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll get there one day after I'm like dead, <laughs> right? So... Let's, so we're going to be taking a look, and we're going to still be in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be in some later verses. But before you turn there, I just invite you to pray together with me. Um, as is kind of our habit, we're going to pray together the disciples' prayer. Um, not because they're magic words, not because it's a magic formula, not because um, God hears your prayers better when you recite something that he already knows. Um, he actually cares or is more in tune when you're praying from your heart. So we do want to pray from our heart. But as we pray together, it's helpful for us to use the same words. And we use the disciples' prayer as the model for talking with God that Jesus left for us. So would you pray together with me as we begin this morning? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if you turn with me uh, in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 19. Um, and there's some blue Bibles tucked under the chairs, either... Um, under a chair in front of you or under your chair. And if you're using one of those, I am this morning. It's on page 1223 in the Blue Bibles. Or you can navigate to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19. We'll start. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So we'll pause there. Now remember, we're reading somebody else's mail. And so this is kind of business arrangement. Like when we read the Bible, we don't go, okay, so Paul's getting ready to send Timothy to me. Like I need to, I need to get my house ready because Timothy's getting ready to come. Um, don't. Uh, Timothy's dead. So as, as we look at this, we gotta, we're not looking at what is it. We're looking at what it's saying, but we're also looking at what does it mean and what are some principles that we can understand from what's going on in the text here. So Paul's simply saying, I want to send Timothy to you. Timothy's working with me. If we go back to the beginning of the letter, T Timothy is helping to write this letter. It may be that Timothy is the one who's actually the one who's doing all of the writing, and, and Paul's just talking to Timothy, and Tim's writing it down. But Paul and Timothy um, have a partnership. They go way back. Um, you look in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, you see that Paul comes across Timothy. He had a Jewish mom and a Gentile dad, which meant that he never went to church, right? Um, but his mom continued to give him uh, endow and, uh, 
invest her faith into him so that he, when he heard Paul's message, like responded with faith. He wanted, he wanted to go and be on mission. So um, he goes along with Paul and wants to journey with him and, and wants to help him on his, on his missionary journey. He becomes essentially an intern, but he takes his job seriously. Like, I, I want you to think about this. He had a Jewish mom and, and, a, and a Gentile father, so his, his dad wasn't observant, um, which means that <laughs> this, this is going to be weird. We're all adults, but which means that he wasn't ever circumcised. And circumcision was a significant mark for the Jewish people. It was something that they took very seriously. All of their boys were circumcised on the eighth day. And it was something that was, this is a sign that you belong to the community to us. I don't know how you verify that membership in a meeting. Like, that's, that seems uncomfortable to me. But that's something that, that would have been a stumbling block. It would have seemed like this guy is not one of us, but he's coming to share the good news with us. So when Timothy, as a grown man, hears the gospel and responds and says, Paul, I want to go with you. Paul says, well, I'm going to the Jews first. We're preaching first in synagogues, and you need to be presentable to the Jewish people. They need to know that you're one of them. You need to be circumcised. He said, sign me up. He was willing to put his body on the line to go through this procedure and sensitive procedure and in order to that he might be able to be helpful to Jesus in spreading the good news. Like this, Timothy was not a guy who, uh, who took things lightly. He took his commitments very seriously and so Paul is saying, look, I'm, I'm under house arrest. Even if I can't come to you, I want to send Timothy. You guys know Timothy. And there's nobody else on my team. There's nobody else on my team who's going to be genuinely concerned for you. Everybody else is concerned about their own affairs, but but Timothy's concerned for you. Timothy's head is in the game. His focus is on what he needs to be doing for Jesus. He's not concerned about the, the audience that's around him. He's not concerned about the paparazzi flashing lights in his direction. His focus is on how can I best serve the people. And such to the degree that Paul says there is no one else like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So Tim's a guy who cared about the goodness and the welfare of other people. Maybe more than himself. It seems like there's a contrast here, and I wonder if there's just some tension within Paul. I'm not quite sure what's going on. Remember, we're reading somebody else's mail. We don't have all of the information of everything that was going on. But he says, uh, they all seek their own interests, but and not those of Jesus Christ. So there seems to be some contingent on Paul's team that, they're trying to build themselves up. And, and he's like, no, Tim, Tim gets it. Tim knows that it's not about building himself up. It's not about being in the spotlight. It's not about that. He's got his head in the game. It's about serving other people and making sure they are taken care of. There are other people, they don't quite get it yet. I'm, I'm, I'm discipling them, I'm working with them, but they're still working for themselves. But Tim is working for y'all. I think it's interesting. When we think about the Apostle Paul, we think about all of the letters that he wrote and all of the miles that he traveled, going on three different missionary journeys from Asia to Europe to Africa, all the way around the known Roman Empire. Some traditions have him making all the way to Spain on the other side of the Mediterranean Sea. So he had a lot of miles under his belt. But something that I think we can observe from this is that Paul 
great missionary apostle that he was, didn't go alone. He had guys who were with him. He had guys who were with him that maybe didn't get it. But he also had guys who were with him that he trusted to send out and be his ambassador. He had guys that were with him. He was going to send Tim. Even if I can't be there, I've got people that I've worked with that I trust that I'm going to send with you. I don't go alone. I'm not the only representative of Jesus Christ. We journey together, and none of us can follow Jesus by ourselves. It's already been a, a key principle, a main principle in our series already. No one can follow Jesus alone. It's a team sport. And true strength, true strength is humbly following Jesus all together. If, if, if we get sequestered and, and our American culture, like really, there's some principles that we hold dear that actually put us at a disadvantage. That, that spirit of independence and wanting to do things by ourselves is actually a disadvantage to, in our faith sometimes. Because we say, I can get things right between me and God and I can serve God and I can live a holy life all by myself and I don't need anybody else. But it's, it's true strength. In troubled times. True strength is when we follow Jesus, not by ourselves, but when we follow Jesus all together. It's working together as a team. It's having each other's back. It's being genuinely concerned for one another. So whose interests are we concerned for? Depends on the day for me. I don't know about you. You guys are more spiritual than me, so I'm sure like you guys have this all. You guys have this all squared away. <laughs> it's funny to hear Sarah laugh because I know it hurts her so much with the the kidney issue she's having right now. So <clears throat> I'm sorry. It depends on the day for me. Whose interests am I concerned about? Sometimes I'm concerned about me. Sometimes I come to work just because I got to come to work and make a paycheck. And it's not the right thing. It's real hard to like serve Jesus and be like, yo, Jesus, like, I want to seek your kingdom first, but also make sure that I get paid this week. Like, you know, you help, help, help me out. Jesus, I want to let you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, but also let people know how great I am. Like, I want to have a good reputation too. Right? Whose interests are we concerned for? And it's a question that, I, that we might be able to answer on a Sunday morning, having taken a shower, like all being kind of presentable, it's a question we can probably answer today. But it's a question that I think bears to ask daily, hour by hour, minute by minute, when they cut you off, when they should have known better, when they said that one thing that they know just gets under your skin. But we see with Timothy, a guy who's genuinely concerned for the, the welfare of other people, who's laying his life down, who's got his, his focus on building them up. Not about the things that are going on, not about building himself up, not about his reputation. Locked in. So whose interests are we concerned for? If we journey together in following Jesus, we will be concerned for one another. If we journey together in following Jesus, 
will be concerned for one another. It seems kind of simple. Um, I almost hesitate to make that the key principle, but I know that there were times in my life where I thought I can follow Jesus and not really be concerned about what's happening down the street. I can, I can, I can be doing the right thing and also not really care what's going on in my family right now. And I think what this letter teaches us and what Timothy's example shows us and what Paul's example shows us is that if we're going to journey together and follow in Jesus, we're going to be concerned for one another. It's going to affect us, the troubles that other people are facing. Okay, cool, all right. Um, but let's, let's put some more feet on it. There's, a, there's another example here that Paul gives, um, and his name is Epaphroditus. Um, and I'll just tell you before we read these next verses that Epaphroditus was the messenger the Philippians had sent to Paul. So before email, you had to actually write things down on paper, roll it up and seal it, hand it to a human. That human had to carry it all the way to the place where the other human was, and then they could open it up and read it, right? And you had to send messengers. They weren't, they weren't these blue birds that floated things through the air. <clears throat> So Epaphroditus was the guy that they had sent to take this message and to take this gift to Paul. Well, let's see what Paul says about that guy. In verse 25, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. I've thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So this next scene is of a hospital bed. This message and this messenger had been sent, and things had not gone well on the journey. He had become ill somehow, some way, he was sick. And word had somehow gotten back to the church in Philippi, that guy that you sent that letter and that gift with, like he got sick, and now he's sick. And Paul now is writing and say, yeah, he was sick. He was so sick. He was getting ready to die. And so you're like, but look at, look, at, look at how Paul's describing him. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. I'm sending him back. Like the guy who had a job to do and he did it, but he also got sick in the way. And like he brought the gift, but then I spent some of the gift to take care of his medical needs. Like it's, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> you know? I know you're trying to do something nice. No, that's not how Paul says it. He says, I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. He came to do, he came and did what he came to do. And he's my brother. And he's my fellow worker. His, his care for me 
gives him a share in the ministry that I am doing, in the gospel work that I'm sharing. He helps me with that. And he is my fellow soldier. He has gone to battle with me over this. He is not, he's not somebody who just kind of took a sick day, even though he was actually like down at the Colosseum, you know, spending his money. But no, he actually got sick, actually in the line of work. And listen, listen to this. You might know people who are like this. He's been longing for you all, and he has been distressed because he heard that you heard that he was ill. Sometimes <laughs> there's people who are sick, and they just they'll never tell anybody that they're sick because they don't want you to be too. They don't want, they don't want you to be upset about it. They don't want you to be. No, no, no. I don't really need any help. I'm, I'm really okay. It's all right. And I think Epaphroditus was probably that kind of guy. I wonder, and this is me reading into the text, so, so this is beyond the scope, but th- I, try to, I try to imagine people that I know and how they might interact with this kind of thing. I wonder if Epaphroditus was embarrassed at this introduction, my, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, because he's probably just, he may be the kind of person who's just thinking, look, I was... Just a messenger, like I, I did. They, uh, the church asked me to take this stuff, and I took this stuff, and I happened to get sick. So I'm kind of bummed that I got sick. Like that's that's unfortunate, but um, you know, I just I did what I was supposed to do, and, and it's fine. I don't deserve any special commendation. Like he's calling me brother and soldier and fellow. He might be a little bit embarrassed because he's the one who's bringing this letter back, right? And odds are, as he brought the letter back, it was his job also to read it to the church. And so can you imagine being the guy who has to like get up and say, this is what Paul says about me. <laughs> Even though I, like he was concerned that they had heard that he was sick. I don't want you to be worried about me. I'm just, I'm just doing my job. My dad was like that a lot. <laughs> when my dad um, was getting in the ambulance the last time, um, I was trying to get him to the living room because the stretcher wouldn't, wouldn't come into his bedroom. The doors were too closed. <clears throat> and the only way I could think to do it was to get a rolly chair, like one of those computer rolly chairs. And um, he didn't want to go to the hospital. And the only reason I knew he was going was because my sister, who was an RN, like, saw what was happening with his body. He said, no, you're going to the hospital now. Um, but I got this rolly chair in there, and I'm trying to push him. Got him onto the rolly chair and trying to push him, and, and he's... <laughs> Scooting his feet. Scooting himself in the rolly chair out, like, to the ambulance because he's not going to let other people take care of him. Like, he's just, he's that stubborn. I wonder if Epaphroditus is like that. And I'm... If it, was my, if it was somebody like my dad, they'd be so embarrassed to have to read that about themselves. <laughs> like, I was sick, yeah, I was close to death, yeah, but eh, it was really okay, it wasn't that bad, you know, I'm okay, I did my job, and now I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. And Paul, and Paul says, look, but God had mercy on, on him, and not only on him, but me also, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. I love this guy. I didn't want him to be sick. I didn't want him to pass away. And so I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious because I don't want him to be separated from his family. 
So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Think about this. It wasn't too uncommon of a job to be a messenger. Um, Postal system wasn't, wasn't then what it is now. And so you usually had a trusted person in your household that you would give things to to take other places. And so Epaphroditus, if he was entrusted with this, is probably something he'd done a bunch in his life. Just taking a message, just taking a gift. I'm just doing what I do. Nothing special. But Paul calls that the work of Christ. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He's not saying what was lacking in your service and that you guys haven't done a good job of partnering with me in the gospel and you guys haven't done a good job of providing for me. Like, you guys have done great. But it's one thing to say, I'm going to send you a gift. It's another thing for the gift to arrive in the mail. You'll know what I'm talking about. Those shipping confirmations mean nothing until the package is on my porch, right? In fact, it's frustrating if you told me that you sent it to me and it's not here yet. I'm going through that right now. I just want the package. Stop telling me it's on its way. Right? So when he says what was lacking in your service to me, he's not saying that it was lacking. He's saying that the intent was there, but it hadn't been delivered. He completed it. He brought the package here. And he calls that the work of Christ. Normal, average, not spiritual work of taking a letter and a gift from one place to another. It's the work of Christ. Why? Because it's Paul. Or because it's a brother. If we journey together following Jesus, we will be concerned for one another at risk to ourselves. And there's... I'll tell, you, I'll tell you my tendency of where I want to lean, and then I'm going to bring it, bring it back to where I think the text is. <clears throat> How far will we go? What risks will we be willing to take on ourselves in order to bring the gospel to people? How, 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 how much risk will we take on ourselves in order to bring the gospel and, and share the gospel with people? Like, to be evangelistic, to tell people who don't know God that God himself came down in the flesh and died on their behalf so that there could be reconciliation, so there could be friendship with them, people who don't know that God has already made a way for them to be right with him. How far will we go to be evangelistic and to share that? Epaphroditus, I think, was willing to go to death on that, at risk to himself. But I think that that's, I think there's a warping there. Because Paul, by himself, wasn't somebody who needed the gospel. He didn't need it to be proclaimed to him the first time. He was the one who had proclaimed it probably to Epaphroditus. So the ministry and the risk that he was taking upon himself wasn't a missionary going to a foreign land um, among a hostile people and taking risk on their body like to go and share the gospel the first time. He was taking risk upon himself to meet the needs of a brother. Do we care for one another? Do we take those risks? To care for one another. 
What risks will we take for God's work among our neighbors? It might be evangelism. It might be the risks of a bad reputation. You get labeled as a Jesus person who's a little bit cuckoo. I'll tell you what, there are worse labels to have when people's lives go crazy. They tend to go to the crazy people when life gets nuts. The people who have a quiet, confident hope in life and death it tends to be the thing they look for when things fall apart. So will we risk our reputation? Will we risk our, our, our bodies? And we're all wearing masks. Like, this is now a feature of ministry. We reach who we can through the camera and the internet, but, like, if we go and meet strangers, there's a risk of transmission of this virus. It exists everywhere we go in the world right now. It's funny, there's a letter, uh, Martin Luther, who was, um, he was a Catholic priest who read the book of Romans, and, and, and really we owe a lot to him, uh, of thinking through the faith and the spirit of God working through the people of God. And he was ministering at a time when the plague was a thing, the black plague. And people were writing to him, what do we do? Do we just leave? When the plague comes to the city, it kills everybody. So do we just leave the city? Or do we stay and minister? And there's record of a letter that he wrote in response to this question. He says, look, if it's in your conscience, if it's in your conscience that it's time for you to leave this place and to, and to evade it, then leave and evade. If it's in your conscience to stay home and to watch things online, then stay home. There's no shame in that. Do how the Spirit leads you. Not in fear, but as the Spirit leads you. But if, if God's calling you to stay and to serve and to minister to your neighbors, take the precautions that are necessary. Don't be blatant. Don't tempt God with your arrogance of saying that I can't get sick. Obviously you can get sick. You're a mortal man and this is a plague. It will kill you. Don't tempt God. Take the precautions you need to do, but ultimately understand that your fate rests in Him. It might be the plague. You might get hit by a car walking down the street. We don't really get to pick when our time comes. And so what risks we'll be willing to take for God's work among our neighbors, evangelistically, but also to encourage them? To bring a gift. To meet their need. If we journey together following Jesus, we'll be concerned for one another at risk to ourselves. And just by way of reminder, I'd like to read to you Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. If you're following Jesus, this is your, your mindset. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form of a servant, or, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on cross. 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The reward for our risk belongs to him. The reward for our humility belongs to Christ, the humble one. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of us laying down our rights to serve our neighbors? Because if we follow, if we journey together following Jesus, we'll be concerned for one another at risk to ourselves. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, give us wisdom. In these days, um, we don't want to be arrogant and think that we are untouchable. And we also don't want to cower in fear of that which can destroy the body, but can never touch the soul that you have kept and you are keeping with you in heaven. Would you help us to trust you in all aspects of our life, to count the cost of the risks involved, and above all, we thank you that you walk with us, that all authority and all power on heaven and earth has been given to you, and so you invite us to work with you. And you promise that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. You taught your disciples that greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. And you've shown us what that looks like. That you have laid down your life for your enemies. So we can't do this in our own power. We can't just decide one day that this is how we're going to be. God, you have to change our hearts. We are selfish. So would you mold us and shape us to serve, to trust you? (laughs) It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.